0: Well, good morning and welcome to Capital City Church. We're so glad you're here. I feel like we have so many guests. There's so, so many. I don't know why you're here. Uh, I'm just kidding. We have a a very special baby dedication this morning. So to all of our guests that are here, and I know we have some watching online, welcome. We're so glad. Um, We borrowed a couple of extra pastors this morning. So we have special guest Michael Blevins from uh, Waverly is here today to speak. Um, and Anthony Dell is here somewhere, too, so we're grateful to have all of you guys. Uh, we're going to get ready and worship in a second. Um, on the third song this morning, it's kind of our tradition here, you'll see some of our pastors and staff come forward to the altars. Uh, if you need prayer, please feel free to come forward during that time, and um, our staff would love to pray with you uh, or just talk to you or whatever you need. So we stand and worship with us this morning? Uh, just grateful to be in the house of the Lord today.
2: He makes a way where there ain't no way Rises up from an empty grave Ain't no sinner that he can't save Let me tell you about my Jesus His love is strong and his grace is free And the good news is I know that he Can do for you what he's done for me Let me tell you about my Jesus Let my Jesus change your life
1: Tell you about my Jesus when all the wrong turns that you would go and undo, if you could, He can work it all for your good. Well, let me tell you about my Jesus. He makes a way.
2: grace is free and the good news is I know that he can do for you what he's done for me let me tell you about my Jesus and let my Jesus change
1: the price for all my guilty. Who would care that much about me? Let me tell you about my Jesus.
2: Oh. He makes a way where there ain't no way.
0: Rises up from an empty grave.
2: Well, ain't no sinner that he can save. for you. that the highest king would welcome me. I was lost, but he brought is dark. Fine creations, his pride and adoration, treasures woven by his love. His careful hands they hold us safe within his promise of calling and of destiny. Where heaven's find. You live
3: joining us here today. Please share your updates, praises, and prayer requests on the connection card in your bulletin, and drop it in the offering when the ushers come around later this morning.
4: First-time visitors, please let us get to know you through the connection card, and at the end of service, you can take it to the visitor welcome desk in the lobby to receive a small gift.
3: Tonight is the last night of Mount of Praise camp at 6 p.m. at Ohio Christian University. We hope to see you there.
4: This Thursday, June 30th at 6 p.m., purpose-driven life for the ladies. If you haven't already signed up, please do so at the Information Center at the back of the sanctuary.
3: Looking ahead, Cap City will be hosting the West Central District Camp Meeting, July 10th through the 17th. This will be an amazing week with a Global Mission Rally, Ladies' Night, and Nightly Kids Camp. Be sure to grab invitations and invite friends and family as we come together as a church and district more info will be coming next week
4: thank you for supporting the ministries of cap city church you can give online or by check or cash see the back of the bulletin for more details
3: please welcome special guest michael blevins with today's message
4: all right it's pretty fancy did i get this mic turned on yeah there we go nice some of you are thinking who is this guy We just got a new pastor. And so I'm very thankful for Jonathan. Actually, Jonathan and I go back a little ways. I knew his brother much better. He was actually my roommate um, in college back at OSU when they still had the trailers. Um, ...down over the hill. So Jacob and I, uh, whom I love, we, we spent a lot of time together, but Jonathan, uh, I knew him a little bit as well there. So I'm very thankful. I know it's not easy to give up your pulpit, um, especially when you first got here, but he said he was great with it. So actually, I'm here, um, and it, it's a great honor, um, because I got a message a couple months ago uh, from Alyssa and Josh, and they said, hey, I don't know if you knew we had a baby. And I'm like, yeah, I saw it. It's the coolest name in the world, Indiana Jones. Usually, I forget the babies' names. Seriously, when I'm doing baby dedication. So I have to write them on my note cards in big, but I won't forget that one. And so Alyssa Josh asked if I'd be willing to come and, and, and do their uh, baby dedication. And, and uh, you know, I'm a man, so I don't cry. But uh, it did bring a tear to my eye. Um, and so I was so thankful. So, you guys can come on up. And so, I'm here uh, to, to do a little baby dedication. And, you know, as they're coming, I just kind of want to explain a little bit about what a baby dedication is. If this is the first time you've seen it or heard it, um, I don't, you know, they were talking about they don't remember when the, the last one was done here. So, I'm excited to do this. A um, baby dedication is uh, twofold it's, it's, it's not an assurance of the baby's salvation, that, that is a choice in which we all have to make uh, in our own lives. But what it is, is for the parents to come up in in front of the church and say, I'm going to raise this baby uh, in the the love and admonition of Jesus Christ. And Deuteronomy, uh, you know, (laughs) that's usually what you skip when you're trying to read the Bible in the year, but it's got uh, some really good stuff in it. Deuteronomy 6 uh, tells us, it says, Hear, O Israel, that the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength, These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, and you, when you walk along the road, and when you lie down, and when you get up. And that's Deuteronomy 6, 4-7. through 7. and Proverbs 22, 6, we know it. Uh, you know, it also tells us to train up a child in the way that he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And so the first facet of a child dedication is the parents coming and say, we are going to do that. And they're going to answer some questions with, we do. But the second part is for you. As a church body, to understand how important and vital that you are in bringing up a child in the way that it should go. And so Hebrews uh, 10, 20, 10, 24, and 25 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together. It might be the pastor's favorite uh, verse in the Bible. Not giving up, not forsaking the fellowship, right? As some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. So not only is this for Josh and Alyssa to come and say, God, we are presenting Indiana to you, but it's also for you as a church to say, you know what, it takes a village and we understand it. And we know that Satan is working as hard as he can to get the little ones. And we are going to combat that by being good Christians and a good church family uh, for this child uh, to be raised up in. So I will have some questions for you as well, and I want you to think about them as I am asking them to you. But first, we'll start with Josh and Alyssa. So, as parents, God has entrusted you with a magnificent responsibility of guiding your child as he grows. Do you lovingly accept this responsibility? If so, answer, we do. God has given you this gift of this child that you love and that you hold. Will you protect and nurture him? As Deuteronomy 6 proclaims, you shall love the Lord with all your heart, your soul, and all your might. You shall teach uh, diligently to your children. As parents, will you dedicate yourself to teaching Indiana the ways of Christ? If so, answer we will. Amen. Being a part of a church body is vital. It focuses on God-centered worship, gospel expansion, biblical teaching, and joyful service. Will you too dedicate yourselves to involve Indiana in God-centered worship? Will you teach him uh, how to share the gospel and model how to do it? and will you attend church to the best of your ability, if so? Answer, we will. We will. All, right. All right, church, your turn. God does not call parents to walk alone in this endeavor in raising their child in Christ's image. Will you help these parents keep their commitment to guide um, Indiana as he grows in wisdom and stature in favor with God and other people? If so, answer, we will. Oh, that's Good and loud. I like that. Will you help them protect and nurture this precious gift of life that God has given them? Will you provide godly examples for this child to follow? And will you help these parents teach Indiana the ways of Christ? Will you joyfully serve the family and child and children of this church by volunteering in children's programming, teaching, assisting during the children and youth activities? If so, answer, we will. You heard them, Jonathan. You heard them. And so today, Josh and Alyssa commit before you and before God and all of our viewers online that they will bring up Indiana in the ways that he should go. And I've known them for a very long time. I may have had a part in introducing them. I did their wedding. And I'm so happy that you, one, God has given you this gift. And I'm so thankful that you want to raise him in, in the ways of Christ and the ways of the church. And so this morning, we dedicate Indiana Jones to God and all that that means for you guys. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for Josh and Alyssa. They've been such a bright spot in my ministry, in my life, in the past few years. We thank you for the gift of Indiana. We thank you for the awesome name, and I'm sure that Josh had a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. But God, we just ask that you just bless this child, allow him to grow, allow him to, to increase in wisdom and stature and allow him a, a, a mighty call on his life so that people can know Jesus Christ because they know Indiana Jones, this one. God, I just, I just thank you again for this, uh, this, this family, and as they, as they grow and as they continue to uh, serve you and, and to worship and to lead in this church, I just ask that you bless them and bless Cap City for them being here. And this morning, God, we dedicate Indiana to you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Here is your official certificate of dedication. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Good. Yeah, I think, I don't know, 2009 maybe, um, you know, uh, Alyssa was on my summer camp team for Ohio Christian University, and we went to, um, it's not the middle of nowhere, it's just this side of nowhere, Wakefield, Virginia, and actually one of my favorite camps to counsel. And, uh, and so I think I started at that camp counseling for OCU in 2008. I uh, met Josh. He was a very wee little uh, counselor or, or camper. and uh, and I think we had to wrestle a few times, but uh, you know that's uh, that's the way it gets at church camp, and I thumped him pretty good. Uh, but it, he's bulked up a little bit, and I don't know if I could take him anymore. so um, but uh, and then, you know he was he was probably a senior my first year, I'm not sure. I'm not sure when you graduate. And then Alyssa was a freshman, which would have been his freshman year in college, and they met, and the fireworks went off. and here we go. That's the rest of the story. And so I actually, like I said, I did their wedding, and I can't remember how long it was, uh, you know, ago, but here is my favorite picture from that wedding. I, I, I hope, yeah, that's, that's my favorite picture from the wedding, you know, that's a, but, but was, it, you know, again, it was such a joy. And so when they reached out, you know, I actually texted David because Jonathan hadn't been, uh, you know, appointed yet or, or anything. And he said, uh, I, I said, I'd love to speak for you, actually, if, if, you know, other than just doing a child dedication and running. And he said, okay, well, let me get back to you. And so uh, then Jonathan was appointed as your pastor, and I can't tell you how excited I am for you. But, yeah, yeah, yeah there you go. But selfishly for me as well in the denomination you know, front. I'm, I'm so excited to have him back from his wilderness experience in the Nazarenes. You know, I actually pastored. <laughs> I actually pastored in the West Central District for a couple years. I call that my wilderness experience. But you know, it's uh, no, neither here nor there. But yeah, I'm so thankful that he is your pastor. I'm so excited for the future of Cap City Church, and that's kind of what I want to talk to you about this morning. I'm going to do something I don't normally do and try to keep it under 30 minutes because Jonathan has to go get his ordination switched. out of praise, <laughs> uh, but no. I actually uh, normally I, I I'm gonna uh, you know I, I do sermons where I just just stick to the scripture, you know, they call it uh, you know, exposition. And, and that's kind of what. But today I'm actually going to do something a little different. It's a little more fun for me. I'm going to do a topical message on something that's been on my heart uh, since Josh and Alyssa asked if I could come do this baby dedication. And you're going to probably think it's funny, but it's just weird. I just can't get the image of sheep out of my head. So I'm going to talk to you about sheep today. (laughs) And, you know, I thought during COVID, I I thought uh, Christians calling people sheep as some sort of insult was really strange to me. But then I thought, you know what, Christians insulting anybody is kind of strange. And so if that was you, shame on you. I don't have your friends on Facebook, so I can't say it was you or not. But let's, you know, I thought people casting sheep at people, you know, you're being a sheep. I just thought that was the strangest insult. And then again, you know, I'm like, why are we insulting people in the first place? And so this this this, this picture of sheep and a flock, and it's been in my head for the past, you know, month as I'm preparing to come up here, and I don't know why, um, but God kind of led me to this topic this morning I want to discuss with you. We're going to look at three really quick scriptures. Um. Two parables and one conversation with Peter that Jesus had when he was here um, on earth. And so we're going to start in Luke chapter 15 real quick. 15:1. now the tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled and saying, this man receives sinners and he eats with them. And so he told them this parable, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them doesn't leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Pray with me. God, we thank you so much for your word this morning. Uh, that is what I stand on in my life. When everything else is sinking sand, when everything else seems to, to shift with the culture, when everything else brings uh, emptiness and, and loneliness, your word brings fulfillment. And I thank you for your word this morning. God, I just ask that you allow me to get out of your way, allow your word to just pierce our hearts, pierce our minds, uh, uplift our souls, and call us as Christians this morning God, we thank you for Alyssa and Josh. We thank you for uh, Indiana and that dedication. God, for for the, the, the future of Cap City, we thank you for Jonathan coming uh, back to the fold in the 3CU, but specifically here for this season of this church. I just ask that you bless this ministry and start a revival here on the south end of Columbus. And Lord, we will give you the honor and the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So I'm going to be honest. Sometimes... I hear this parable, and as an American, I don't see the ROI on leaving your 99 safe and looking for the one. And I I mean, honestly, you know, Jesus told it, so I always abide by what he says. But as Americans, a lot of times we're like, man, you got 99. What are you worried about the one for? He takes off. You know, you still got your 99 left. But Jesus is a little countercultural. And he says, you know what? I'm going to leave the group Because I think the group is supposed to doing what it's supposed to do, and the group is safe. I'm going to go find the one that's lost. And to be honest, if you are like, you know, I I don't see the return on investment on that. Well, you forget, one time you were that lost sheep. And maybe you are that lost sheep this morning. Maybe you got drugged here. You know, I had a drug problem when I was a child, too. My mama drugged me, and my dad drugged me all over the countryside to go to church. We were at church, it felt like nine times out of seven days in the week. But I was still that lost sheep, and Jesus had to come searching for me. And so maybe this morning you are that lost sheep, and you haven't made that decision to get right with Christ, and you're miserable because, you know, the world only brings unfulfillment. It brings emptiness. And I just want to tell you that Jesus Christ was the best decision I ever made in my life. And he will be the best decision you make in your life. And so if you're here this morning, you can make it right, and you can, you can be found by the great, chef, the great shepherd. Um, and so, you know, I'll leave you alone for a little bit. I'll come back to you lost sheep here in, after a while. Now I'm going to talk to the flock, right? So, 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 you know, as Americans, as business people, right, we're always looking for that return on investment, right? What do I get for my investment? Jesus says, listen, I want to go find that lost one, and I want to bring it back to the fold. And so this assumes a few things in my mind. First off, i got three things for you about this little parable um, in in, in this flock. First off, the flock is in a safe place. Jesus says, leave them in the open country. They're all together. They're going to be fine. I'm going to go find my other ones. The fellowship of believers, the flock, that's my analogy this morning. Church, flock, that's who we are, right? The fellowship of believers in the services of Cap City, it has to be a safe place. It has to be a place where people come to feel accepted, who people come to feel loved and wanted. And if you don't go out of your way when you are here to make sure people that you don't know feel like that you want them here and that you welcome them, then I'm going to tell you something, the flock's not really doing its job. But Jesus left the flock in a safe place. This is where we come for our safe place. The second thing is the flock was doing what it's supposed to be do, doing. You know, I love, I, I, I love this analogy, the sheep and the flock, because we got Psalm 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. See, the, the, the group, the 99, they know that God is their shepherd. They're doing what they're supposed to be doing for that season. They're grazing and lounging in green pastures. Because one day, one day very soon, he's going to prepare a table in the presence of your enemies And you got to be well fed and ready for it. But currently, the flock is doing what it's supposed to be doing. Church, you will grow if the flock does what it's supposed to be doing. Now, I don't know. If I said I don't know anything about Cap City, I'd be lying. I only know enough to get in trouble. So you know, but I don't really know what season you're in in your church, except that you got a new pastor. So whatever season you're in, you need to lean into it. And if it's a season of new things and it's a season of growth, the flock doing what it's supposed to be doing will help the sinners be found. And so I don't know what Jonathan's plans are. I know that he's got a great vision, and I know that he's from God, and I know that God's ordained his appointment. So you, flock, need to be doing what you're supposed to be doing. And to be honest, that's showing up every time the doors are open and you're available because if you don't want to you know get ate by that wolf out there that Peter talks about that roaring lion you got to be together with the flock so the flock's doing what it's supposed to be doing the only way that you can reach cap city your redemptive potential and that's what it's all about you personally and this church corporately reaching your redemptive potential for Jesus Christ in this community It's not about, you know, that's what I tell my church. It's not about growing so that I can say I grew a church and I can write books and make millions of dollars off of here's how we did it. That's not what it's about. I want to see lost people saved. I want to see addicts released from their chains and released from their oppressions. I want to see marriages healed and redemption come to people that had before. And so if the flock is doing what it's supposed to be doing, that can happen. And so you need to reach your redemptive potential by doing what the flock is supposed to be doing. And the third thing is the flock is better when the lost sheep is returned. You want revival in this place? See lost people come to Jesus because that's what it's for. A church that sees lost people saved is a place that's doing its job for Christ. The church is better when people are being brought to Jesus, and Jesus Himself says, "Hey, even the hosts of heaven celebrate when one lost lamb is brought back to the fold." Now, it's important to understand that Jesus is the Great Shepherd, right? He's telling this parable um, as a shepherd, but I want to also, you know, highlight this morning that it's not only the shepherd's job to lost hunt or to, to hunt lost sheep. It's not only Jonathan's job to be out there hunting lost sheep. It's not only David's job, even though he's Mr. Evangelism in our denomination currently, right? It's not only his job to go hunt lost sheep. As a matter of fact, when the flock is doing what the flock is supposed to be doing, then the flock grows into shepherds themselves. Here's how I know. Because here's the most sobering parable for me, Jesus told. We are called to graze. Sometimes we're called to graze and to lay by the still waters. But that's so that we can become strong, so that we can reproduce Christians, so that we can go hunt these lost sheep ourselves. Here's how I know. Matthew 25, 31 says, When the Son of Man, here's the second parable for you, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All of the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right hand, and he will put the goats on his left. Then the king will say for those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, needing clothes and clothes you? When did we see you sick and in prison and visit you? And the king will reply, this is it. Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did to me. And then he will look at the goats. (laughs) He will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into eternal fire, and prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you didn't close me. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't look after me. And they will answer, Lord, when did we see you? Hungry or thirsty or a stranger needing clothes, sick or in prison, and did not help you. Truly, Jesus says, whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. I do want to point out this morning that you are an eternal being. Well, from your conception... You became an eternal being. <laughs> now, this body, not eternal. And, you know, to be honest, praise the Lord. Because as soon as I hit 35, it started doing weird things. Yeah. David saying, just wait. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you have a soul down in here that you can't measure, that you can't find, you know, that will live eternally. All you got to be thinking about is destination, destination, destination. And so he looks at the sheep and he says, good job, because you served me when I was at my lowest. And they said, what are you talking about? He said, whatever you did for the least of these, see, as the flock, we're supposed to be doing what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to minister to people who need the love and grace of Jesus. And I tell it like this, even if they never darken the doorposts of our church, even if it's, it's not going to uh, make our flock larger. It's your job to share Jesus in your immediate circle of influence. Amen. And Jesus says, hey man, there's going to be a group. They may know my name, they may have went to church, but they didn't, they didn't raise a hand to help. James, his brother, says it like this. What good is it for someone to come and show up naked and you say, go be blessed? without lifting a hand, right, to, to help them in, in, in their troubles. That's the Blevins prayer phrase. It's not very good, but you know, that's, that's pretty much what he says. He says, that faith is useless. That faith is worthless. It is every professing Christian's job to share the love and hope of Jesus Christ. And not only to the people who meet our standards, not only the people who might look like us, think like us, and you know, vote like us, but to all to the least of these, from the top to the bottom. Church, if you want to see Cap City reach its full redemptive potential, it's going to take each one of you loving on the least of these and looking for the lost sheep. Well, that's what we pay the staff for. <laughs> that's backwards. They're here to minister to you and help grow. They're here to shepherd, absolutely. But if you're just here to receive, receive receive, that's a selfish Christianity that Jesus ain't about. So if Cap City is going to reach its full redemptive potential, Cap City has to be the flock doing what it's supposed to be doing. And I will close my shortest sermon of all time because I know Jonathan's got to get down to Circleville with the third sheep show that's been in my mind the last couple of weeks. You know, you know the story of Peter. Even if all of these little wimps fall away, I will never fall away the night before Jesus was crucified, right? Even if they all fall away, I will not. And a matter of fact, he believed it. He truly believed it. Why? How do I know that? Because when the mob of soldiers showed up, he was willing to fight to his death until Jesus says, hey, that ain't the way we're going to do it, and then he got his feelings hurt. Hey, don't be Peter. Just FYI, I, I didn't know I was going to go here, Jonathan. I'm sorry. Might take a little longer. Don't be Peter. Okay? He got listen. He's not scared of the little girl and then the other girl in that mob. He's not scared of them. He just faced down the Romans that were coming to arrest Jesus. Actually, tried to cut a guy in half and miss and got his ear. He's not scared of them. His feelings were hurt. Jesus says, hey, that's not how we're going to do it. You live by the sword, you die by the sword. So the worst thing that you can utter at Cap City for its redemptive potential is that's not the way we've done it. And then get your feelings hurt and then not take part in the ministry of Jesus. Peter will never forgive himself for those four days where he was no longer a disciple. He denied him three times. So Jesus dies without Peter there to support. (laughs) He goes to the tomb, but praise God. This is what makes Jesus different and the scripture true. He arose from the grave. He defeated death. That's why we worship him. Not because he went to the cross, but because he kicked the door open from the grave. And that made the cross the atonement. So Jesus says, hey, I'm going to go before you to Galilee after he appears to them from their uh, you know, you know, and he scares them to death and the, the resurrection and all the beautiful things. I'm going to Galilee, meet me there. So the men, you know, they, they go up and he's not around. So they're like, I'm going fishing. And so they fish all night, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and, and, and you know, again, this is the second miraculous catch of fish. It's pretty sweet. Jesus is like, Hey, you're throwing it on the wrong side. Throw it on the right side. I'm just kidding. He just said, throw it on the other side. And then just all of a sudden the miraculous fish you know, just another, kid. And, and Peter's like, it's the Lord. And so he throws off his overcclock, he, he or throws it on one of the two, jumps in, swims to shore. Jesus has got the meal prepared, and he sits and has a meal with his disciples. And at the end of that meal, in John chapter twenty one, Jesus asks Peter these questions. See, he's not a disciple currently. He denied him three times. Jesus wants to restore him to his discipleship. And so in john twenty one fifteen he says, When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon son of John, do you love me more than these? I imagine that stung a little bit, knowing that Peter, who's a lot like me, just opened his big mouth, even if all of these fall away, I will not fall away. Jesus says, Peter, do you love me more than these? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus says, feed my lambs. And then he asks him again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time. Guess what? He denied him three times. He might as well ask him three times, right? And here's the cool thing about Jesus. It really doesn't matter how many times you've denied him in your past life. He's always willing to take you back into the fold. The third time he said to Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. You know, I'm going to have to admit, I am from a holler in the middle of the northern western point of North Carolina. I'm just a straight hillbilly. You wouldn't you couldn't tell it because of my accent. I've you know, I've lost it. If you heard my mom speak, you would understand. I didn't know a lot about sheep growing up. Like we have sheep around, but really we have two crops and it's Christmas trees and tobacco. Like we we don't really harvest or, you know, have flocks of sheep. And so I didn't really know the intricacies of sheep. And so when I get to this and I'm studying this, I'm like, well, is the lamb different than a sheep? So I had to Google it. I was like, hey, Google, what's the difference between a lamb and a sheep? There's no difference between a lamb and a sheep except for one thing, age. Lambs are young. Lambs are children. Lambs are babies. You know, I don't think it was an accident that Jesus first command here to Peter was feed my lambs. Take care of my children. Now I haven't talked to Jonathan about this, but I'm going to tell you how I minister. We, me, and my wife, my ministry team, I unapologetically minister to young families. I unapologetically minister to young families. Now, here's why. Twilighters, older folks, retirees, they've always loved me. I don't know why. They've always loved me because I love them. But if I ministered only to you, if you're in that group, you'll be blessed, and we're going to leave behind the lambs. If I minister only to my millennial friends, right, (laughs) then they will be blessed, and some of my, you know, Twilighters will be blessed. But, you know, to be honest, we're, I don't know. But when you minister to those young families, the entire church is blessed. The entire church is blessed. And so I I unapologetically minister to young families. I've got babies at my church coming out my ears. We've done three baby dedications since I've been there. And I forgot most of their names. And that's why I don't hold the baby during the baby dedication. Because, you well, know, first off, I barely even enjoy holding my own babies. Um, <laughs> but no, sir, I'm afraid I'll drop them. Honestly, I didn't play football. I was more of a baseball player. So if I had a glove on, I might feel more comfortable. But we we got kids coming out of our ears because we're ministering to the young families, and here's why: because Jesus left the 99 because the 99 knew what they were supposed to be doing and they were doing it. To minister to the lost. And we're in a generation where these kids didn't grow up in church. These young families don't really understand the, the scripture. They don't really understand what God has for them. And it's my job to minister to them. And when you do that, when you focus on the young families, the entire church is blessed. The entire church sees revival. It's not an accident that Jesus said feed my lambs. Folks, I look in the bulletin and today you're going to meet your new children's pastor. And what a monumental and very awesome non-coincidence because I don't believe them, that we dedicate a baby on the same week that Roe v. Wade was overturned. (laughs) Now, I'm going I'm to I'm share this, and, and, and I probably won't get any applause for it. If the church, if the flock had been doing what the flock was supposed to be doing in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s, Roe v. Wade would have never been a thing. Amen. And we can't stop. Matter of fact, we've got to double down on ministering to crisis pregnancies We've got to double down on ministering to our nursery age and to to, to single mothers and to single parents in solo income homes. We as the church have to do better Amen. because spitting out on Facebook that you know ba- you know uh, uh, all of the things that I've seen over the past that ain't it. We've just got to do better in ministering to the people that find themselves in these situations. Because guess what? If we're all honest with ourselves, it could have been us. So, today you're going to meet your new children's pastor, and I want this to ring in your ears. Feed my lambs. Yeah, and then he said, you know what? Feed my sheep. Some of you are going to be called adult ministry. Some of you are going to be called to go to your career and just be Jesus to people, and that's what it looks like. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep, because that's what the flock does. We as Christians need to do life together in Christ so that where the flock is supposed to be is where it's at. And it has to be more than Sunday mornings, it has to be more than, you know, Wednesday nights. It has to be a lifestyle of being a sheep to the great shepherd so then we can become shepherds of our own. The worship team's coming now. I want you to understand this. Satan is out to get anyone he can get. Yeah. Peter tells us he's walking around, crawling around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He has one thing that brings him joy. He knows the end is near. He knows he loses in the end. Yeah. But he wants to hurt God by taking his creation, which is in his image, as, uh, away from him as much as he can. And he's working hard to do it. His demons are working hard to do it. Young or old, it doesn't matter. But the young are so much more susceptible to his ploys. Shouldn't we work equally as hard to introduce them to Jesus? Let me tell you something. And again, probably won't get a lot of applause for this. American Christianity is some of the most selfish Christianity in all the world. We sit and we... Intake and we intake and we intake, and if the worship team hits the wrong key, if the pastor you know preaches from the wrong uh, version, if he he says something I don't agree with, it's a him problem, not a me problem. But oh, you know, Paul, apart from that, if you just sit and you sit and you intake and you intake, guess what? And you don't minister out of that cup, that's selfishness. I'll put it another way, how much. Do you have to hate someone to not share the gospel and know they'll go to hell if they die? Shouldn't we work as hard as Satan to teach people Jesus, to show? people, Jesus. Shouldn't the church building be the place where the harvesters come to graze and lay by the still waters? Shouldn't it be where we come and be edified and worship God together? Shouldn't it be a place where sinners can find help at the altar, but so can the righteous, so can people who are struggling in their life? Shouldn't we come here and all of a sudden we leave this place overflowing so that we can spill on everybody in our circle of influence? That's what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. But the problem is, last couple decades in America, I don't think the flock wants to go to work. I think the flock is perfectly happy grazing inside the walls of the church. We're called to grow from lambs to sheep, to sheep to shepherd. Each one of you have a call on your life. And if you profess Christ, you're to be an evangelist. And you don't have to memorize the Roman road or the, the 1v1 program. You don't have to memorize all that. All you got to do is be a Christian who's a, who's a good look at what Jesus looks like, who's a peacemaker, who's meek, who loves. That's attractive Christianity, and that's a flock that will multiply. we got to feed the lambs and help them become sheep we got to take the sheep, and we got to feed them and bulk them up and get them ready for the presence of the table of my enemies. And to be honest, sometimes we will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We don't have to experience it in America, but our Christian brethren are experiencing it all over the world. But because they know the Good Shepherd, because they know God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit that he has permeated in their lives, they are Christ's example to where they are. I snuck it in there. Will you volunteer in the children's ministry? (laughs) Will you volunteer in the youth? A lot of you said we will, and I'm going to hold you to that. Jonathan's going to hold you to that. He might be a lot more nice than I am. But we've got to feed the lambs. Stand with me. God, as we pause here this moment, I don't know why you brought sheep to my mind, but I pray that, uh, that it spoke to the hearts of this church this morning. And whatever season that you have for them on the horizon, God, I pray that it be a season of growth. I pray that it be a season of revival, and I pray it be a season where people see you. They meet you. They turn it all over to you, where people are saved and people are sanctified, to where a revival starts on the south end of Columbus. Not so that Jonathan's name could be praised. Not so that Cap City's name or Dave's name could be praised. But so that your name can be praised. God, I want want you to move heart to heart this morning and challenge, uplift, convict, encourage, edify, call. Chair to chair this morning, God, speak to us individually. God, if somebody knows that it's a it's talent of theirs to help and to volunteer, God, challenge them to volunteer. Challenge them to get involved. We can't do this with a staff alone. It takes the entire flock. God, help us to feed the lambs so that they can become sheep. Help us take care of the sheep, to bulk the sheep up, to, 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 to show the, the, the sheep where they should go so that then they can turn into good shepherds like you. God, I want Cap City to reach its full redemptive potential for you. And the only way that happens is everybody row in the same boat, everybody everybody pulled in the same way, led by your Holy Spirit. And I just pray that you pour out your Holy Spirit on this place and you make it happen. Help us to be receptive to your call, to your direction, and to your love. Help us to be your image and we're out and about in our lives and our circle of influence. And we would give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for having me this morning. Let's worship.
2: Where creation suddenly articulate with a thousand tongues to lift on and cry. From north to south and east to west, we'd hear Christ be magnified. Stand strong and worship you And if it puts me in the fire I'll rejoice cause you're there too I won't be formed by my feelings I hold fast to what is true If the cross brings transformation You can hang me there with you Cause death is just a doorway Into resurrection life If I join you
5: Go ahead and have a seat this morning. Um, This is only my fourth week here, and I'm sure some of you were surprised to see a guest speaker this morning, but you'll have to know, um, somebody asked me about bringing in a guest speaker this early on in my my tenure here at the church, and I said, well, only one of two things can happen. They'll either preach a great message, will be anointed by God, or they'll do a terrible job and you'll be thankful that I'm here next week, right? (laughs) I think we saw the previous this morning. Why don't we give Michael a hand today? Um, I grew up a PK, and um, my dad always said something about once a sermon's already been preached, we don't need to preach again during that service. So I don't know what you'll need to call what I'm going to do for the next few minutes. Um, but we are going to introduce Scott and Terry here in just a second. I'm not going to make them come up. Um, quite Yet, because they will be standing, Terry, you're kind of stuck, I guess. But uh, <sighs> the whole Roe v. Wade thing, um, I've had, I had buddies reach out to me this week. So, what are you going to do Sunday? What, what are we supposed to do? What's the next step for the church? And um, not not preaching this week, and not. I mean, I'm still looking at sermons for the weeks ahead, um, but my heart was just heavy over what was taking place in our country um, because there's so many things there. Church, we have to be careful. Michael did a good job, but we have to be careful. There's a lot of people that don't understand the gospel message, don't understand our beliefs, and uh, all this did was spin them into greater confusion. So we need to be a picture of clarity, of love, of responsibility as a church, and make sure that they know that that there's a better way. That, that that's important. We do. We need to make sure, especially when what we know to be right, what we know the sanctity of life is, is the right thing. Don't don't at all question my my views on that. That the way that we go about expressing our thoughts towards that can come across very strange to a lost and dying world. Um, I just had this thought, and I again, don't don't misconstrue what I'm saying here. I believe with all my heart that for all the aborted babies over the years, I believe every single one of them is in the arms of Jesus today. I do believe that. That's, that's a big deal. I say, I say don't misconstrue that because I could see where the enemy could get in there and maybe make a mother feel like I know that will be the case, so this is the better decision. That's not the case. But the scriptures, and, and there's some tough verses in, in Revelation and about end times. The scriptures talk about a time when it'd be better if babies weren't born because the world will be so evil. Um, and as the church, sometimes we do get behind these platforms, but the but a child being born and then us failing and them going to hell, I don't know that that's any better. I don't know why well, I'd have to say it's worse right if we're just trying to reason the thing out here it, while it's a horrible travesty anytime a a, a baby is aborted the idea of, of a young ch- of a child coming to an age of accountability and not accepting Jesus as their savior I, it, we're eternal beings Michael said it it's a big deal it's a big deal I thought about doing this I won't do it to you because honestly I know it would be a little bit embarrassing this morning I was going to say if you've If you've personally led somebody to Jesus Christ in the last year to raise your hand, but I'm not going to have you do that because I know what statistics tell us and we all know that the majority of of us have not. There's something they call the 414 window and it tells us that 85% of people give their life to Jesus between the ages of 4 and 14. So if the thought of just thinking you might have been left out and not leading someone to Christ in the last year bothers you at all, There's some people that are ripe for the picking, and they're ages 4 to 14. On my first Sunday here, we had 191 people. I don't know how much of you know what our attendance is like or what stats look like. But what I was told is that on Sunday morning, there were 150 people represented in the sanctuary and 41 in the children's ministry. Did you know that's about the average size of a 3CU church? You see, working in the children's ministry doesn't mean that you meet your volunteer requirement. It doesn't mean that you help keep the back end going while we do our thing in here. That's a church. That's bigger than a lot of our churches in Columbus in the Christ and Christian Union. Forty-one people. That's that's a lot. And they're the most. They're the they're, they have the most potential to give their life to Jesus. We get hard-hearted. You know, really, that's what happens. That's why that percentage is so big. Because once we get to a certain age, man, you all know, you deal with family and, you know, different ministries in the church. We, we get a little difficult to sway. One of the things that has broken my heart over the last years, and, and you can do what you want with it, but we get an eight or a nine or a ten-year-old child that starts to misbehave. We need to try different disciplinary action. We need to talk to the doctor. They need to see a counselor. Maybe we need to see if they need to be put on medication. And I was a radical thought. I was having this conversation with him the other day. But did you know that if a nine-year-old gives their life to Jesus, their behavior could change? I'm, ser- I, I mean, I, I'm being so serious, and I hope this doesn't sound kind of redundant to any of you, but I'm saying we try to come up with all these reasons today to diagnose people with these shortcomings and these disorders, and they need to have their lives transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it works for kids. We get as adults, and I, I don't know if we forget about that. I remember I gave my life to Jesus when I was five years old, and I still did a lot of childish things. But I also remember the influence of the Holy Spirit on my life that made me have a hunger and a thirst for the things of God. It still made me want to do more right things than wrong things. It made me have a spiritual awareness that I don't think I would have had. I know I wouldn't have had. Because it says before I come to Christ, I'm dead in my sins and my trespasses. And it's almost as if we expect that 30 or 40 kids are supposed to give their lives to Jesus at vacation Bible school or during a Awana during the summer but we only celebrate when an adult does it at an altar. Man, that's the playing field out there, and I'm pointing towards the children's department. That's the playing field. They're the ones that are going to raise up and be the next leaders if we'll hand the church off to them. The reason our attendance is down in church is because we haven't made that the most important thing. Great job today, Michael. Great job. When we minister to young families... I mean, what what grandparent in here? What great-grandparent? What parent in here would give everything to have their lost child, grandchild, great-grandchild sitting next to them in church right now? I'll bet you, I'll bet you'd listen to any kind of music, any kind of preacher. Wouldn't matter what, what what color we painted the walls. You just want your babies to go to heaven with you. That's it. That's all I'm here for. That's it. Wesley, Luke, and Ben. I love all the rest of you, but it's them first. I want them to go to heaven with me. I'm so glad that we're at a church that I, I do. I think, I think Cap City does care about our children. But we could use more help. And I'm going to have Scott come up here and, and join Tara. And I know a lot of you know them. Most of you know them. Um... But I, and most of you know Hank. Uh, but let me tell you how the interview process, I, I, church, I want to tell you how the interview process went with your church board. It was great, by the way. We, you have a good church board. We have a good church board. Sorry, I'm here now. I'm, I'm trying to, trying to get acclimated. There's a lot of other things said. But there was a whole lot of, do you think Allison would want to be the children's minister? Do you have somebody you're going to bring in for children's ministry? Do you have a plan for children's ministry? I really didn't get many questions about the music. They must, you know, Eric, you might be all right, I guess. I don't know. I, I I I mean, I did. There was there was a lot of things that they just didn't ask me about, but they kept talking about the children. And I started looking at resumes and applications and different things like that. But but you can always know about your pastor. If you have a talent, if you have a gift, my first look is always going to be to see if we can raise people up from within our church. That's what I want to see. If, if one day down the road I ever were to go somewhere else, I hope that the next pastor's sitting right here inside this sanctuary. And it's a no-brainer for all of us to say, well, Jonathan's gone. It's got to be him. Because God's calling people to ministry. God's calling people to step up and stand in the gap and, and move us into the next generation. And as I was learning about the church, y- y'all hadn't even voted me in yet. And I looked at Alice and I said, Why aren't Scott and Tara the children's directors? I don't I didn't really know you guys, and I didn't tell you guys I was thinking that because I knew they needed to be called by God to do this. It's a it's a big challenge. But one of the biggest parts of, of running any ministry is volunteer recruitment. I told them that. I said, We haven't written out a job description, we'll get there. But I said, Your number one, your number one job responsibility is pretty much to to recruit volunteers. I'll tell you what I would love to to be said of Cap City down the road one day would be that that's a church where they have so many volunteers they don't know what to do with them. And I I don't know what happens to us. There's something, though, that we should be concerned about, church, when we struggle to want to work with children. Because the only people that Jesus talked about that struggled to work with children were Pharisees. And so when you're trying to identify yourself with who you are in the scriptural story in the gospels, Jesus said, these are the kingdom of God. The last Sunday at my first church that I ever pastored at, on Easter Sunday, I brought in a guest speaker and me and Allison went and worked in the children's church. Because we wanted to show people that that's where we believed the church needed to have emphasis. And church... All these things that we say we want, they take, they take work. And, and Mike talked about the staff, and, and we want to be there for you. We want to do everything we can. But really, our job as a staff, some of you might disagree, but this is my philosophy, is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. I equip you, and then you go out and bring in others, and we equip them, and we keep going and going and going. But you can know that revival is going to break out as we focus on those kids. Maybe we'll need to paint a few walls. Maybe we'll need to change this or that. I don't know, but the number one thing we'll need is some people that'll just love on kids, that'll just love on kids and teach them the stories of the Bible and believe that them coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ is a thing that will make the biggest difference in their lives and in their lives of their families. When little kids come to school, or come to church, when little kids come to church, their parents come, their parents start sitting on Bible studies, their grandparents get excited about it, they start telling other people about our church. It is the key to revival. So when you ask, well, we'll bring in Jonathan, we like Jonathan, he's a good preacher. Well, I, I, that's fine. We'll, we'll pray more. That, that's good too. But it means putting feet to our prayers, and it means loving on kids. And Scott and Tara have stepped up, and they're accepting that role. But I said something to, I I forget how the conversation transpired. I think I asked Scott and Tara, I said, hey, can you be in the service this Sunday so I can talk about you to you, put you in front of people? And somehow it came up that Tara has been working in the children's church for the last nine weeks. That's not good. Well, we paid her to be the children's director. No, 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 no. We paid her to help direct people to volunteer with the children, right? That's what we're doing. And so we've got big things coming up. It's the middle of summer. It's hard to get things going during the summer. I I know that. But they had a training this Wednesday. And if you tell them you want to help with children's ministry, they'll schedule another training. And they're running background checks this Wednesday. If you want to get involved, you have to do that because we want people to know their kids are safe. If you've been here for 10 minutes or 100 years, I'll get a background check if they need me to get a background check. And I'm your pastor because we want people that don't know us to feel safe when they come in. We want to be able to boast that they can know that their kids are safe with us. So if you want to help with the children, show up Wednesday and get a background check to work in the children's department. Awana is going to kick back off in September, and me and Rose are working on some things to get the youth group restarted in September as well. Right? So every single person that's clapping their hands right now is going to help out with children and youth ministries. You can help out somehow. It doesn't mean necessarily that you will be teaching classes, but just coming to Scott and Tara, coming to me and Rose and saying, I want to help. We'll find something for you to do. God gave you gifts to use for his kingdom, and there's a place for you to serve here at Cap City. So we put Scott and Tara's bio in the bulletin. Like I said, so many of you know them, but if you don't, you now have a piece of paper with all the names of all six of their cats, right? <laughs> so I, they're a great couple. I'm, I'm enjoying getting to know them. I'm looking forward to working with them in ministry um, but I wanted to put you in front of them to say, these are the people that you need to see if you want to be involved in kids' ministry. These are the people you want to see and you want to be involved in kids' ministry because Jesus was primarily a children and a youth pastor. Read it, study it, figure it out. Jesus spent most of his time ministering to children and teenagers and young adults. I can't rewrite it. When I get old, I'll keep preaching the same thing. Because it's not going to change anytime soon. All right, that's too much. I don't think I preached another sermon. Uh, Really thankful, really thankful for Pastor Michael Blevins today. Let's just give him another round of applause. Um, I don't even remember if he said it. He's the pastor of our Waverly Church, and I'm so thankful uh, that he could make it up here this week. thankful for young leadership in the Christ and Christian Union Church, and we want to see more of it. It's a place to grow. This denomination is a place to grow if you believe God's calling you to ministry. Um, So at this point, um, we are going to say goodbye to our online crowd. Um, And we're going to, again, we'd love for you to join us soon here at the Rathmel Road campus. And hopefully everything you just heard, if you're a parent with kids, you can know that we are coming after uh, our children's ministry and trying to make it a better place for you to be um, and to worship with us. Thanks, Scott and Tara. Let's give them a hand. And at this time, we are going to come to you uh, for your morning tithes and offerings. Um, so we're going to ask our ushers to come forward. And uh, I'm going to pray over, over this offering and remind you of something we said last week because, man, it's stuck with me. We talked about Jericho last week, and we talked about how in the desert they had all the provisions they needed to be alive, to survive.